We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After Dark, your favorite podcast about the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Let's see. It is March 13th, 2018. Got my co-host, John Stefanczyk, on the line. I think we have a rather extreme New Hampshire weather report coming our way, so let's not delay, John. I want to hear about it. What's the conditions on the ground right now where you're at? Yeah, 17 inches of snow in Dover and counting. I repeat, March 13th, people. Blizzard warning. Uh, Boston's got about a foot and a half too. They're more screwed than we are because I got less room to put it. But we have a solid nor'easter going on here. Very, it was a mild February, and March has been ripping and rolling. It's two weeks in a row with nor'easters. So welcome to New England. But we will have a better July than everybody else on the podcast. So you so. can't. Yeah, there you go. Well, fair enough, I guess. But. So it's not it's not a northeaster north northeasterner right you got to do the n o apostrophe or the n o r apostrophe. It's a nor'easter. A nor'easter. Okay. Nor'easter. Cool. The people well, where you uh, live have like Boston accents, or what's that like? What's what's the normal thing? There? It's le- It's more New England accent, which. That's a funny distinction for someone down here. I'm not sure. There, there. Yeah, I really don't. I have no idea how I would explain this to somebody down there it's it's not as a it's more neutral than a um, boston accent but it's still notable okay well it's a little less it's a little uh and it's a little more tame than a massachusetts like a like a a connecticut accent or something yeah there's a boston accent there's massachusetts uh accent and then there's you got maine and new hampshire more mild vermont's more mild you kind of get a little more a little more towards neutral Canadian, but they don't say a boot or any of that. You hmm. know, I've definitely that here, so I really don't know how to, a good way to describe it. Interesting. So, All anyway. right, well, we're learning a lot tonight, guys. Um, yeah, so go ahead, John. Couple, couple admin things to take care of. I'll let you talk about t-shirts here in a second, mm-hmm. but uh, you're right. We should do that at the top. We of have show. a we have first time offer to the listeners, mm-hmm. our loyal listeners. Uh, Oxford folk artist, noted famous one, Table Cobbleson, has noted that uh, if anybody um, reaches out to him inquiring of a painting and notes the uh, promo code GOODREBEL Mm -hmm. from the Landsharks After Dark podcast, he will give a discount. That is a great deal, guys. We're not talking about, like, prints or something, right? I mean, we're talking about an original Table Cobbleson joint, right? A, a real piece. Yeah. Oxford Folk Art, Table Cobbleson, both on Twitter and Instagram. 
Absolutely. Uh, that's that's a great deal, guys. Take advantage of your lad discount. Don't forget to use code GOODREBEL. Let Table know that you uh you know are a listener to the podcast that put him on. I would say, no, nah, just kidding. Table's obviously super creative. He was he was gonna he was gonna get fans no matter what. But we're happy that we've been able to uh, have him as part of the show for so long. Definitely been one of the highlights, one of the really fun things we've done. So thank you for that, Table listeners. Don't forget to take advantage of that. John mentioned we are doing T-shirts for the first time in our three-year run here. Um, people, a couple of people were asking about it, you know, some of our, our most loyal former guests and fans. So said, why not? I think it would be a fun thing. Uh, obviously me and John both, I think would love to have t-shirts and give them to our families and stuff. So put together a little design table, did that for us. Um, it, it's basic, but we, we like it. Land sharks after dark LAD on there. And the little tag phrase, Mississippi paid, you got the dollar size instead of the S's. You got to throw a little snark in there, you know, a little bit. A little bit for the uh, the joke of a, the joke crowd. Wow, that was a terrible finish to that sentence there for me. But yeah, we got we got t-shirts. That's all that matters. If you want one, head over to at sharks aftr dark on Twitter. I tweeted the link out last week. It's just a basic Google form. Hopefully, it won't be too confusing to you. There's two pages to it. The first page you're gonna put in uh, your info, mailing address, email, stuff like that. On the second page, you pick how many you want of each size. Pretty simple. Have that open for another week or so. I'll announce on Twitter when we're going to close the form. Um, and then after that, we're going to order however many shirts people want. And then I'm going to send them out to wherever you are. If you live somewhere like Oxford or something, there's a good chance that you're going to, if someone's going to bring the shirt to you up there somehow to save on shipping, we'll just see how that all works out. Right now we're saying about 20 bucks a shirt could come down depending on how many orders we have. Could be less if I don't actually have to ship it to you. You know, if you're, if you're in Oxford or Jackson or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's not this is not a money making thing for us. You know, we wanna we want our fans that they want something like this to have the opportunity to get it, and we want to wear them ourselves. Like I said, so if you want to be part of it, hit us up. Um, don't literally hit us up. That's not necessary. Go to Twitter, click the link, fill in the form. It'll be simple. I'll get in touch with you. I promise it'll be easy, and uh, we'll keep the price as low as possible. So that's the plugs for the top of the show. Two plugs, John. After three years of never having a single thing to plug, that's that's pretty good. That's a, it's a big week for us. Um, except for that time we were on Rebel Sports Radio. Do you remember that for like six months or whatever? Oh, I totally forgot. And we used on. to, we used to like that. That's the reason why the complete catalog isn't available. It's a, some inside baseball. Um, since I'm not even sure that Rebel Sports Radio is even a thing outside of maybe like Talking Champions, uh, which is on there because Ben Garrett was like in charge of it or whatever. Um, we would. I didn't edit the show at that time. I think you probably like the show more now because there's not ads inserted into it. And, you know, I put music at the end of the show now. Um, I wasn't able to do any of that back in the day. We would record it. It was actually more work for me because I would have to record it, make note of when we pause for our commercial breaks or whatever, send that that information to the editor guy. He would edit it. They would upload it, send us a link. It was kind of a convoluted process. In theory, you know, it was easier for us because we had someone doing the editing, but... I don't mind doing the editing. It's pretty simple. Um, but so, yeah, that's a fun period. If, if, if any of you old Landshark After Dark heads remember that, uh, we used to have like, uh, what was that? What was the, the site where you buy tickets? Like StubHub ads or something or Seat, Seat Freak Geek, or something yeah, like yeah. that? SeatGeek advertises. Yeah, SeatGeek. Yeah, we used to have those ads. I mean, it was fun to read ads, but maybe we'll just start making up fake ads to read like we basically just did with a Table and the T-shirts. So definitely don't miss those days, but it's funny to think back on now. While um, we're reminiscing, I, yeah. I thought I think I thought of this today. 
did Marshall? We we talked about right field is where Lance Archer yes. After Dark came together. Yes, because we used to did hang Mar- out and go to all the games together. How much? Uh, how much did Marshall Henderson have an impact on this? I think a lot. I mean, Marshall Henderson was kind of like the mascot he, for old sports 2012 to 2014. He, he, I think, tell me if I got this wrong, but didn't he not pique your interest? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, Marshall Henderson was definitely like a a bit of a touchstone for Ole Miss sports enthusiasm. I mean, the 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 first moment I've said it on the show before. Um, the first moment that I remember being really excited about Ole Miss basketball uh, in my college career wasn't until I was a senior and Marshall made that buzzer beater to beat Vanderbilt, and that was such an insane shot, uh, and he just had so much sauce, and, and it was just it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, also senior year, I had turned 21. I was able to go out to the bars. You would see Marshall. You would see Murphy. You would see Reggie. You could talk to him. It was like a definite cool, starstruck kind of a thing. You remember uh... – I believe I think they opened with Tennessee that year, mm-hmm. beat them in they Knoxville. Did. Yeah, yeah, that was that was when Marshall <laughs> said that thing on the season about Tennessee. Yeah, and then they I think they played they played Tennessee game five in Oxford, mm-hmm. and it was a slugfest the whole game. Nick Williams made a couple threes, etc. We leave uh, we left uh, what you might call it the tad pad, yeah, yeah. and then you were asking me like you like where the players going to be out at. You know, you know, I go, I go, dude, it's Andy Kennedy's team. Like, they're going to be at the library. So, I remember we, we go to the library after 30 minutes, like, Holloway, Henderson, and Perez show up. Of course. This was winter session before all the students were back. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, this was before, this is when Marshall was still building his aura. He didn't and, really burst onto the scene, like I said, until that shot against Vanderbilt, I don't think. And then the students were all back, so it took everybody. The Kentucky game is what got everybody just all jacked into it. This is before. So we got a lot, and Marshall's like. He's but they almost sport. still lost that Kentucky game, right? It was just a lot of hype before it. Yeah, because they were ranked it was 16. That, right, and that was, the, that was the game where they filmed the T-Sons of Gun music video beforehand. And uh, it, it, Ole Miss Sports is just pretty hype overall that year. That was also Hugh Freeze's first year, right? That was yeah twenty twelve also twelve so yeah the T sons of guns because uh whoever the hell that I, was I think basically my enthusiasm was peaked by Freeze's first season and kind of rebuilding going from two and ten to six and six winning the bowl game beating state all that stuff I I rushed the field on that Moncrief game had a ton of fun you roll into that basketball season uh you got Marshall Henderson you got Murphy and Reggie they win the the SC tournament I was super hyped about that. Uh, so I definitely think that you're you're right on track that that was the year that was so much fun at Ole Miss sports and then really the next three or four years after that there were a lot of highlights from Omaha in fourteen and fourteen baseball building really fourteen baseball shocked the hell out of us and we weren't and I we mean, weren't doing the show then we started it in December of fourteen so Omaha goal, was kind of part of the buildup that's what that was yeah uh, yeah because we I mean we I remember just walking because. Because base a baseball they they never went made a regional when I was an active student technically. Uh-huh. They never like hosted. They, they never they hosted made, a they regional, made it, right? yeah hosted a regional. Yeah. They made it right after. So that like that was kind of the end of my career as a student. Was right, well, for, well the, the regional in fourteen would have been after you had graduated like earlier that month, right? 
Correct. Yeah. It was basically within a month. So that was kind of yeah. that. And that, I remember that, I was working then, but I remember going up to Oxford for the regional. I remember having to leave the Washington game to go back to Jackson to work before, like during the rain delay and all of that. And, yeah, I remember we left too mm-hmm. to go back. And listen, and we listened to Weathersby close that on the radio. So yeah. that was wow. Was it Weathersby was so hype. That that team was great, man. That team. I mean, I I vividly remember. God, we're, we're all over the place, but whatever. I vividly remember talking. <laughs> Given an oral history of the show, it's fine. Yeah, it's better than any of this Kermit Davis bullshit we're about. Yeah, to don't talk worry, about. Kermit Davis. John was basically in the act of I think talking about Kermit Davis when somehow he got derailed. I think I said something. Yeah. So, basically. I remember previewing the 14 baseball season with Austin Miller, and we went through every damn series. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember saying, there is no way in hell they can do better than 18 and 12. They go 19 and 11 and win the division. So, Well, I think we were thinking that even late, late in the season. I mean, they had a big performance in College Station to win the West. I think they took two out of three, and A&M was really good that year. I remember uh, that they went and swept Kentucky. Uh, yeah, sweeping Kentucky was huge they lost, because they, they had – Series against LSU, but they were right. If you watch those games, they yeah. were dead even with them. Um, yeah. Well, with the, the LSU, LSU had so many pitchers that year, and uh, the the game they won was when Orvis hit like a home run in the first inning after Maneri had said that the beer showers were annoying. I remember that. Yeah. And Sykes immediately gave him one. They were basically dead even with LSU, and losing that series cost them a national seed. Yep. But and they, and they went to Kentucky and scored 39 runs and swept a while. Honestly, also, that might have gotten them in. I, I think being able to play in Lafayette took a lot of pressure off of them for the Super. I would agree with that. I think having to play the Super Regional in Oxford would have been worse for them. Well, they would have had to play State in Oxford. Yeah. Who they were clearly better but, than. Oh, but, right. No, but, but Lafayette eliminated State, right? So Exactly. If State, I mean, if Lafayette had lost, it would have been the State. That would have been like the ultimate oh shit moment. Right, but I guess I mean, if Ole Miss had gotten that national seed, maybe Lafayette wouldn't have. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to reconstruct in retrospect. But it, yeah, I think LSU was the eight. It was us and LSU, and I think yeah. basically the schedule strength in the series. Yeah. What anyway? So maybe we would have ended up having to play LSU in route. That could have been worse too. But I don't know. Um, I remember that Kentucky series vividly because they had. What's his face? The great pitcher that could also. Oh, who is the? He has initials. Something the JB something or he was. Uh, it was. JT something. He uh, was really good. He was their ace, and he was their. And he best. was their four hole hitter. Yeah. Um, that guy was really good, and Ole Miss just uh just outpowered him. Had like thirty five runs on the weekend or something in that tiny little park. Yep. It was really good. Um, but, yeah, all of that to say we host a podcast about Ole Miss. And uh, this week, A.J. <laughs> Reed. His name was A.J. Reed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we're talking about what's going on at Ole Miss Sports this week. Definitely the biggest story is the imminent hiring of Kermit Davis as the men's basketball coach. He's at Middle Tennessee right now. It looks like he's going to be coaching Middle Tennessee in the NIT. Uh, but maybe after that, he might mosey on down to Oxford to uh, start a basketball program. We'll see. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me mm-hmm. that we're not getting ready for Ole Miss to be a five seed in the NIT. Nope. 
we're getting ready to watch our future coach. Coach is a three seed in the NIT. Dude, who's going to watch that? Not me. Well, I'm not watching you know, Middle Tennessee in the NIT the to study Kermit, Kermit Davis. That like Kermit. Here's a question: Can Kermit Davis be a good rebel? Because he went to state. Like, how does this work? I mean, I think yes, he can absolutely be a good rebel. Um, the first thing he has to do is get on the same page as, as Goofy Jeff, you know, go start hanging out with him, start picking up on what he cares about. Cause I really don't know. It's hard for me to figure out what motivates Goofy Jeff other than just, you know, not knowing what to do in certain social situations. I have no idea. Uh, Are you kidding? PowerPoint, PowerPoint animation. There you go. Oh, there you go. You, there you go. You answered it yourself. Can he be a good rebel? Yes. All it takes is like 12 slides, some good animations. He just got to convince you know, the powers that be, why is this a good rebel? And clearly he did that because by all accounts, pretty much contract signed at this point. It's it's done deal. It's happening. What I was saying to John before the show is I think the fact that Cyril Smith, who was Ole Miss's best recruit in the current class before Andy Kennedy was fired, uh, just said today he's going to seek his release, reopen his recruitment, is a very solid sign that Ole Miss has told him, we have a coach, it's this guy, they've probably talked, he's decided to reopen his recruitment. You know, could still end up at Ole Miss. I think Kermit's going to fly down there or someone from his staff is going to fly down there or something. He lives in Florida, Cyril Smith does, uh, and try to convince him to stick with Ole Miss, whatever. But to me, I just don't think that Smith's going to do that if there's any uncertainty at all around the job. It's definitely Kermit Davis unless some insane thing changes. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of given your reaction a little bit, John, just through your tone, but underwhelmed. Is that a fair way to put it? How is he different than Andy Kennedy? I mean, he's, uh, he's older. He's older, and he went to state. First of all, I think he has Kermit hair. Davis is, Kermit Davis is a good coach. He's gotten a lot out of Middle Tennessee. He's done. A, he's done a good job there. Yeah, it took him a long he, time to go to the to the tournament, but he's done a good job. He's perfectly qualified to coach on this. But my problem is, is all is his. He's basically put together ragtag teams the way AK has. So. You're hiring an older version of AK, which basically is admitting that, well, we had to change change the name because everybody was tired of the name. And maybe there were specifics with the administration relationships. They, you know, it's obvious that AK and Vitter didn't get along. That's not surprising when you look at their personalities. Mm-hmm. But so they're hot, but they're hiring a guy. They're basically admitting that they're not a top level program by saying we got to go hire a ragtag guy as opposed to, you know, I mean, Thad Mata was a show, and I'm fine with that. Bringing him around is fine. I don't understand why they didn't go hire, you know, go find the 30-year-old assistant everybody likes, but they they say he's three years away, and just give him the damn keys and say go and see what happens. Right. Take a risk, you mean? Like actually be bold, maybe put your stamp on something? Is that what you mean? Go find a 30-year-old like Shaka Smart type before he became what he was. Now he's gone to Texas and screwed up, but Texas kills everybody's career. It's hilarious. So, <laughs> but, I mean, like the uh, – where was he at? VCU before? Go find that guy. Go find, you know – I mean, this is an, this is Pollyanna, what I'm about to say. But, like, the you know, Brad Stevens. You know, like, we were like, who's this guy at Butler? And then he comes up, and now he's obviously the Celtics coach. And mm-hmm. I thought, but go – Go take a flyer on it because you need a young guy with energy. That, well, I t- well, they need. This is this is funny. I just thought of this. 
They need basically the male version of Matt Ensel, except Matt Ensel totally flopped. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe not a great time to bring that up, but yeah. But, so, in that case, what the hell do you do, you know? But I, they needed to go find a young guy, basically, and just give him a shot. Because I sporadically listened to the Rebel Grove podcast. I listened, I listened a little bit the other day after the uh-huh. coaching, after they ran their uh, inside scoop piece. Yeah. And McCready was making the point, and I and he, I thought it was very fair. Was you're fourteenth, you can't get worse. This lets you take risk. I mean, nobody, even though you have a new building, nobody expects you to be a top half of the SEC program. I mean, Calipari saying that you know we'll all be dead before somebody wins as many games at Ole Miss as mm-hmm, AK did mm-hmm. tells you that tells you everything the industry needs to know. Or well, how the industry I think, and I, and I think that quote is a little. It's not untrue by any stretch, but it's it's knowing because Calipari is safe saying that because if anyone won at a consistent level at Ole Miss, they would be gone well before Kennedy was. They yep. would move on to a better job. And so Correct. a lot of people took that as a compliment to Kennedy, but what it really was was a, a statement on the reality of the fact that Kennedy stayed at the same level for 11 years because that's the ceiling of the program. It, it, it it's not. Yeah, he's not. He's not necessarily wrong. I'm just saying I don't take that 100 percent as a compliment to Kennedy. It's more just a statement of fact about the job. It's a more compliment than not to Kennedy. It's sure. also a statement. Yeah, sure. I, I agree. The, I tell you what, the model for Ole Miss. This is the model. Go be the Boise State of basketball, where you they had like three coaches in three years go to top jobs like Peterson and then. Uh, Shit, who else was – somebody else left. It was Harson, mm-hmm. or well, – Harson's still – I'm trying to – or maybe I'm thinking – or hell, here's here's an easier one. Go be Arkansas State football. You had Freeze go to Ole Miss, Malzahn go to Auburn, and then Harson go to Boise, where you're winning nine games a year. You're a solid – you know, you're going to a bowl game. You go make the tournament, and you're in place for the young coach to come up and rise. Wow. That's – What's most annoying about it, is that they Bjork has nothing to lose, like you said. I mean, it's not just about the program being 14th. It's the most also, conservative damn hire you can make. I mean, that was the most boring, basic hire possible. The, the stands are going to be empty next year. I mean, who's going to get excited to go watch Kermit Davis coach half an AK roster? Kermit, it's suck. Kermit Davis is going to have to go like 13-5 and five in the league to get anybody in the building. Yeah, it's going to suck. Exactly, and it's going to suck for a number of years. So yeah, I mean, Bjork has to go. Bjork has to go. Bjork has to go. I can't say it any other way. This this train is so far off the rails at this point. Ooh, Ole Miss is like not me. just 14th in basketball. Ole Miss is rapidly moving oh, towards 14th athletic department. Outside of building the pavilion, which. Quite honestly, it had been so damn long, and Pete Boone had got Someone the ball. Someone was going to do it. Someone was going to do it when they were AD. It, it, it basically fell on his lap. Yeah. Pete Boone couldn't stick around long enough to see it get done, and it fell on his lap. Outside of – but he did get it done, so he ultimately gets credit for it. Outside of that, I mean, I can't think of one thing that he hasn't screwed up. And, and, and at the same time, John, like, who gives a shit if he built the pavilion – if he didn't, you know, help make the program better. If we had the pavilion and the program is still worse, I'm not going to give you that much credit for it. Like, it's, it's, you have to do all, it's a holistic job. 
It's your job is not uh, director of facilities. Your job is not director of fundraising. Your job is athletic director, and that is all encompassing. And, and it's just I I don't know what I can say about Bjork anymore. I think the Ole Miss fans that are willing to see it have seen it. I think the Ole Miss fans that are always going to be positive on Pollyanna will keep making excuses for him uh, because it's easier to believe that he had a big hand in the success of people like Freeze and Bianco in 2014 uh, and therefore believe that he can take us back to those levels. Um, It's almost to the point where I'm done talking about it. You know what I mean? It's just like I'm embarrassed by the Ole Miss Athletic Department um, and the, the, the status of Ole Miss right now in relation to the rest of the conference. I mean, it pretty. I, I think Ole Miss has probably done less with the SEC network money than any other school from where I stand. I mean, it seems like everyone else is using it better than Ole Miss is. I would agree. I mean, they are – they're really – I mean, I think we talked about this a few pods ago. Extremely this stagnant. Is... And the, the basketball program this season – sorry to cut you off, John, but I just had this thought. It, it, this is the best example – of what is happening conference-wide and leaving Ole Miss behind. Yeah, Ole Miss was decent at basketball for a long time when the rest of the conference was terrible. What happened this year? The conference vastly improved, largely due to big coaching hires all over the conference that we talked about on the last show. Coaching hires that make Kermit Davis you know, look like a, a Southern Miss coach, which is I mean, kind of you know, Middle Tennessee, Southern Miss, probably parallel yes, jobs. Yeah. Um, but that's what's going to happen across the board to Ole Miss if they don't be more proactive and aggressive and actually use the resources they've been given is they're going to get passed in every sport uh, because the level of competition is rising relative to the resources. Very well said. I mean, we talked about it before. I, in a lot of ways, I almost think there's less – there's less optimism than there was at the end of the nut Boone tenure. Cause at least Boone was on the way out and you saw new blood coming in. Yeah. York, uh, here's a, my question for York you is drenched. I mean, what's going to change this? I, I mean, I, that's why I said Bjork has to go. That's why I said it into my mic in that very, um, asshole way that probably sounded terrible to our listeners. How do we was, get rid of him though? I mean, you replace Vitter first, I guess. I mean, that could be one – if Vitter, for whatever reason, fired Bjork, that could be one positive to come out of the Vitter era, in my opinion. I think Bjork is very entrenched. And I think, you know, John, you've talked about the raises and the title changes and all that stuff that people on his staff have gotten. What do you think happens when your boss gets you a raise like that? Are you going to be more or less loyal to that boss? More? I mean, he's basically got. He's entrenching himself in every way. I think Oregon he's entrenched himself with the boosters. They've gotten they've gotten promoted twice in two years. Exactly. And he's making sure he's making sure that if someone, probably not Vitter, maybe Vitter's replacement, uh, is savvy enough to decide that he's not doing a good job running the athletic department, when they come for him, he can circle the wagons. And if you don't have someone like Michael Thompson or uh Kyle Campbell, uh or um What's her face? Uh, Lynn Lynn Johnson, I think is her name, the other associate AD. You know, if you're trying to replace Bjork, you want one of those people to step up and say, I'll be the interim, you know, I'm on your side, Chancellor, whatever. You know, we're gonna we're gonna turn this around. And if they're all super loyal to Bjork, that's gonna make it that much harder to get rid of him. And I think he's done the same thing with the boosters. I don't really have any evidence to point to that other than the fact that a lot of boosters like him. Uh, and the fact that he's been around for a while, um, with with mixed results at best. 
by all accounts, all he does is just give everybody the access they want. He keeps the he keeps fifteen people happy, and that's all they want. Yep, seems to be about right. Yeah. You so need to do. How do we get rid of him? I don't know, but I I have a hard time believing that things are going to get better before they get worse as far as Bjork's athletic programs go. We'll see. We'll see. If Bjork, I mean Bjork, getting promoted twice is. I mean. Promoted twice if, in the last two company, years, right? If a company made that bad of a decision twice in a row with a guy that senior, they'd be they would have. I mean, if we no look up, I don't have the dates in front of me, but if we look up when he got the raises, we can compare the results from the seasons before. They weren't winning seasons in football or basketball. Winning seasons in basketball, but you didn't go to the tournament. I mean, and baseball, baseball hasn't done anything since Omaha. Well, okay, so you got a you got a promotion this year because softball won the SEC tournament. Great, nice. Yeah. Your coach also was forced to resign in disgrace. I mean, I guess they got raises because they avoided paying a sixteen million dollar buyout to freeze. I mean, other than that, I'm not sure what else they've accomplished lately. Uh, well, Hugh Freeze cash flow past two years. Oh God, that's I about it. I mean. Well, they've spent over ten million on this investigation, and they—I mean—they—they they wrecked multiple seasons. They're about—they're about to feel. It'll be interesting to see what season ticket sales are and private donations over the next two years. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, we could—that—that that could turn out to be fine, you know. Like we kind of saw that this past year with football season ticket sales, they've made buying season tickets like such a convoluted system with all the reward points and all people are afraid you can't really just boycott and know that you can come back and have the same tickets if things get better so i think that scares a lot of people um but at the same time i just think the on-field results are going to bear themselves out i want luke to succeed i just look around the conference i mean i feel the same way about kermit davis because he's going to be coaching the team that i cheer for i want him to be successful because i want Ole miss to win but i look around the conference it doesn't seem like a fair fight. Matt Luke versus Gus Malzahn. Not a fair fight. Kermit Davis versus uh, uh, Bruce Pearl. Not a fair fight. Just happened to these two Auburn coaches. Just shout out Kent. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't think that we're keeping pace with the conference. No, we're keeping pace with tradition. Good Rebels. Oof, McGoof. I don't Good. know, man. Well, it's, baseball is doing okay, and we're not going to talk about baseball now. I'm just saying I just saw a tweet about they're playing right now in Atlanta. I don't think either one of us have the game on because um, did not pay five ninety five uh, for a 24-hour pass to Georgia State Panther Vision. Um, I say that like I haven't paid for stuff like that in the past. I have. I'm not a proud man. I'll admit it. But uh, just following this one on Twitter for now, I, I think Ole Miss is up like 4-2 to two or something like that. SEC play starts this weekend. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, when do you want to talk about March Madness, John? You want to talk about that at the end of the show? Do you want to talk about it before baseball? Do it, do it at the end. Okay, we'll talk about that at the end. All right, what else do you want to say about Kermit Davis and what Ole Miss is doing with his basketball hire? I think you pretty much have ran. I mean, it, it's yeah, I ranted. Hard. I ranted pretty hard on that one. Sorry. I mean, it, it's just it's further confirmation that there's a small circle of good old boys that have complete control over Bjork and Vitter. They get their show, they get, you know, they show up and they, you know, they go to Ajax and they get their veggie platter and they get their country fried steak every day. They eat exactly what they want. They don't want any change. 
They live in the bubble, and it goes from there. I think what's interesting about you talk about season tickets. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I'd be curious. I'd really be curious to see what the demographics are of season ticket holders, because media and entertainment in general, there's so there's more and more options every day, uh-huh. and we see like, you know. All these big, ne- all these big TV networks are, are seeing the ratings go down, but they're paying more money for content because they're trying to hold on to what they got. Because mm-hmm. there's more Netflix, there's more Amazon Video, mm-hmm. Hulu, everything else that's out there. That where I'm going with this is, is I mean, how how much is our generation going to be interested in season tickets and the hassle going football game where they, where they right. can just watch? Exactly. Like as as the current bar. ticket holders die off, are they going to be replaced by younger crowd? I guess we'll have to see. The other thing is, is how many people are going to say, "Yeah, I like going to Ole Miss, and uh, I like I like going to campus on game day, but I'm just going to stick around in the Grove." You know what I will say, and this is a counterpoint to what you're saying right now. Mm-hmm. We've trashed Ole Miss's strategy in the past of recruiting kids from states like Georgia and Texas to fill up the the classes and the out-of-state students and all of that stuff. But it actually could turn out to be kind of smart if you're successfully able to convert some of these families in Texas, in Georgia, uh, these dads that are 45 and 50 and these these families, they could become season ticket holders uh, because they come and visit their kid freshman year and they like it so much they become Ole Miss fans. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, I'm saying that is one unique way Ole Miss has uh, to bring in new fans from outside of the area. It, who knows? It's a complete speculation. Uh, but I could see that being one way in which Ole Miss can kind of do better than maybe a school like, say, Mississippi State, whose student body is predominantly from Mississippi. You know, Presumably they grew up Mississippi State fans or at least ambivalent towards Mississippi State. Just a thought. I agree. And Ole Miss generally, to, to the people that don't – it's it presents itself very well for the first time and coming in for a handful of times a year. It's, it's very well set up to, to do that. So mm-hmm. that's certainly viable possible. Do you think, I don't I don't think we've ever criticized them for bringing out of state students. We, we've well, criticized, I've criticized the we, students. We've themselves. criticized them not having higher out of state admissions. Yes. Yes. Well, I've criticized a, the fact that I think there are students that come to Ole Miss because they've heard what we would consider negative publicity for Ole Miss like I'm yeah. thinking back to the state flag stuff I'm thinking back to you know the the virulent politics of the student government in the last couple of years I don't know you know who's to say how much that really happens and how anecdotal it is all I know is a lot of the dumbest kids you meet at Ole Miss are from Georgia no offense Brad I'm not talking about you um or or from, <laughs> or from Texas or California or somewhere like that where they couldn't go to a state school that a lot of people from their high school were going to. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Where does that leave us, John? What were we talking about? We were kind of all over the place on that one. Yeah, Sam, I mean, th- there, is no, there is no viable future for Ole Miss. I think, so I, change. Jeff, I mean, you said a change. Is Jeff Vitter really in trouble or not, or is that just people trying to it, sit it there? It could just be wishful thinking. There, a lot of people have said it, but it, a lot of it could just be they hope that it's true. I haven't they heard any good rumors that he's in trouble. I, I mean, I've heard I've heard legit rumors about it. Okay, you you would know better than me. I, I would not be connected to any of that. But mm-hmm. quite frankly, at the same time, there's I think the Ole Miss Chancellor is always going to have a pocket of people that are saying his job's in trouble. That's just the nature. Absolutely, of the I think the the it becomes a problem when the pocket is 
pretty much everybody, which I think is how most people feel about Vitter at this point. I mean, I think I said this on past shows, but the only people I can imagine who might defend Vitter would be like faculty that have, have enjoyed working with him on an academic basis because everyone I've ever talked to in the last two years from a sports fan perspective has been very anti-Jeff Vitter. Um, I just he did, he did raise – they did have a fundraising increase year over year. I absolutely, mean, was, but I mean what, like, uh, like uh, someone who shall not be named in the podcast group because who knows if they want to be associated with what they said, but I think they were dead on when they said – the donations have to do with the changes to the tax law. They have to do with baby boomers uh, retiring and stuff like that. There's a lot of reasons that the donations could go up other than just Jeff Fitter. He's also not the one out there taking these donations. I mean, you're talking about M He gets the people. credit, though, because it happened on his watch. That's fine, but we don't we don't have to blindly yeah, assign right. credit on this show. We we can well, examine root causes. We can talk about causality and deeper well, things. Oh, in a couple of years, was this the one-time event because of the tax law, or was this part of a sustained growth plan for endowments, et cetera? I mean, maybe Vitter goes out and raises a bunch of academic money, and we go, well, shit, at least he can do that, but yeah. he's a total when it comes to running. And I'll, and I'll say that. And I, even if he raises money, I will still say it's not enough and that he has to go because I, I think that he has botched just about every athletic decision he could make. And that includes promoting Ross B. York to associate athletic director, it, especially if the stories are true about how you give Bjork that promotion and then you still insist that he hires Matt Luke over who he wanted, which is Dave Dorian from North Carolina State, who I didn't Oops. want I didn't want him either. But if you're gonna make Bjork associate chancellor for athletics, at least let him run the athletics. It's it's so stupid. He wasn't even Bjork supposedly wasn't even in the meeting where they told Andy Kennedy he wasn't getting rolled over. Right. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. How is he not in the meeting? Right, and so and people use that as a way to defend Bjork, and I, I, I just say like that. That to me is someone that's how so bad at his job, he's not even present. How do you use that to defend him? How in the hell do you go hire a coach when the AD, who's a vice chancellor, coach, right? has, coach. No say, has no say in the decision? That's what I'm saying. I don't. I think he had a say. I, I, I mean, think that's if overblown. Vitter, if Vitter's actually good academically, which we'll see, let's you know, I'll get. I'm, I'll wait a couple years on that. And that's always been my stance on Vitter. Is maybe I just want him to stay out of sports. But I don't so, think he stayed out of sports. So then you just say, so you come down and say, Jeff, you're firing Ross. We're going to go pay and get a good AD, and he's going to have complete control. Complete control. You have not, you signed the papers we put in front of you. Uh-huh. Now, this academic, you can do whatever the hell you want all day. You can do a good job, whatever. It's pretty much the but job, you can yeah. Touch athletics. If they would do that, then okay, maybe. Right. But, it, it could work because I, I, I think Vitter's resume points to a potentially strong academic administrator. There's nothing on that that has to do with athletics. I, could be wrong. He doesn't seem like the type that necessarily played very high-level sports. I can I can recognize that, Dr. Vitter, as someone who also did not play high-level sports. Um, but I just – I I guess the thing is, if you're not going to blame Bjork and you're not going to blame Vitter, what, are we just unlucky? Are we just cursed? Like, I, I just think that that's such a pathetic outlook. There are people that could have made the last couple of years better from the administrative point of view – uh, and I don't think Bjork and Vitter are those people. What players that Vitter's in over his head on the athletic side of things, which is why which, he shouldn't be involved in it at all. The problem with the, what's really, but here's the real problem is that got exposed because he, he inherits an incoming AD that 
totally got ran over, which further says you got to get rid of Bjork. So, and I'm just saying what we already said, but anyway. Anyway. I guess, boy, I've never said this before. I guess I'm saying there's, to wrap this up, there is a scenario where Jeff, they, they could transition what Vitter's primary roles, responsibilities, support staff are, and it actually ends up being okay. But I guess, but who makes that call? Like, who can tell him that? Well, it all comes down, and we'll beat this horse one more time, and then we'll, we'll fill out brackets. Yeah. The, the fact that Ole Miss does not have a board of trustees, but is governed by the IHL. Is, it makes no sense, yeah. It's apparently a disaster that will always prohibit it and Southern Miss, and it will prohibit every in-state school from Mississippi from ever really making no, a notable jump. Because there's always going to be uh, insular politics, backstabbing. It can be good. When you have the governing body that isn't solely focused on the interest of the university and compromise, right? The incentives are not aligned. It doesn't. It doesn't work. All right. Absolutely. So yeah, we're gonna fill out our brackets as we mentioned. We're talking March Madness, all that stuff, because it's it's general sports. Obviously, Ole Miss isn't in the NCAA tournament. Uh, first, before let's let's end the show with that. Let's do, get the baseball talk out of the way. Um, obviously, the last question mark left for Ole Miss is the same one that John has been talking about since day one. How, how is Ole Miss's offense? What? The me and David Lucci have the same question. Exactly. How is Ole Miss's offense going to adjust to SEC pitching? I mean, that's always the question. Um, when you're going from non-conference to conference play and you play in the SEC, uh, only faced a few pitchers that can maybe even hack it in the SEC as like a Sunday starter, even a midweek starter. So it's it's probably going to be some rough adjustment period, but at the same time, against the inferior bats, the Ole Miss is really mashing right now. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but some of the OPSs are just gaudy. Chase Cockrell in particular had like a 1.3 OPS the other day when I looked. It's just insane. Um, but also, I mean, I'm worried about Bianco actually solidifying the lineup. I, I still don't think they're using the right lineup and he's not really changing it. Um, for instance, I, I think you, you need to have Fortes behind Dillard instead of the other way around. I think Dillard needs that protection. Um, because if not, they're just going to throw a bunch of junk and put him on base and then, uh, well, what line Golson behind him. So. So let me see here. Let me let me pull up today's first and foremost, and we can go from there. But but basically, what they're running is Kessinger in the one hole, which is working out fine so far. See how it goes. As I will play. say this: I, I said at the beginning of the year that I didn't see a leadoff guy on the roster. Kessinger's played pretty damn well thus far, yeah. and has turned into a solid leadoff guy. If he can keep I mean, up this pace, or even a fraction of this pace, he'll be fine as the leadoff. No worries. He does swing at the first pitch a lot, but he's a non-traditional leadoff guy. Everybody has their style. You don't need a traditional leadoff guy, but if he can keep doing what he's doing or be close to it, then they're fine there. Yeah. So Kessinger, Olenek hitting second. Olenek to me is an enigma. I think I for whatever reason, and this I'm not the only one this happens he to you. actually leaving him in the two-hole? He is not a two-hole. John, player. he's hitting 310. He's hitting 310, John. This What's is what – this is what I'm saying. I, it happens to other people too because other people are saying it. But Olenek always looks super out of control. And maybe that's going to translate onto the stat sheet in SEC play. Uh, but apparently he just finds hits and finds offense when we're not looking. 
to, to he has respectable stats. The stats are fine right now. So whatever, if those numbers hold, I'm fine with it. Here's where I have a problem with the lineup. Right now, it goes Fortes, Dillard, Golson. Uh, I don't think that Dillard needs to be hitting behind Fortes. I think that needs to be reversed. Fortes is your best pure hitter. Dillard is a power guy that needs fastballs to be successful, but has a good eye and can get on base. So ideally, you put Dillard in the three-hole, and either they throw him fastballs that he can hit, or they throw him all-speed pitches that he takes and gets on base, and then Dillard has a guy on base that, that he can then use that short swing, drive balls to left field, all that stuff. Um, you know, Golson is, is starting to come on a little bit now. Got the average up to 230. Not great, but he's had some clutch hits. He's made some stuff happen with men on base. Didn't not, he hit like th- 400 or three-something with runners in scoring position? Yeah, there's some stats that, that can kind of silver lining those goals and numbers. So I'm not ready to say that, oh, he makes no sense in the five-hole. But look, here's what you do. You got Cole Zabowski hitting 278. Why don't you, on games where Fortes and Zabowski both start, uh, which really should be every game, because what I would like to see is uh, – but the, the problem – and this is – we talked about this last week. The problem is Chase Cockrell doesn't really have a position on the field. He's kind of a first baseman, uh, but you would obviously rather have Zabowski defensively at first base or Fortez than you would have Cockrell there. Um, third, maybe, but the freshman did really well at third. Cockrell not play outfield at all. I guess not because we know that Dillard is pretty much set up and left. I don't think you want to move him around because he's learned how to play out there. Uh, he, he, yeah, you leave him there. What you could do is try to try to get Cockrell in right and put Olenek at second and take Adam Servideo out of the lineup. Um, and that can maybe give you a chance to get all four of Cooper Johnson, Zabowski, Fortes. Because in that situation, you could you could DH Fortes, catch Cooper, first base for Zabowski. Um, I don't know. But, but my real point is I would love to have the 3-4-5 be Dillard three, Fortes four, Zabowski fifth. Because then you have Dillard the switch, Fortes the righty, Zabowski the lefty, and you're three four five right there. Like that a lot. Uh, and but then and then Golson in the six. Yeah. Then uh, then Golson, then Johnson. Then, well, right uh, now, right Keenan. now, so Golson's five right now. Who's hitting six then? Zabowski hit six today as a DH. You know what? I think either way works. I don't. I, I, don't I guess have, maybe you'd be worried to do Dillard, Fortes, Golson because switch righty, righty. But maybe that wouldn't be that big of a deal. Olenek and Kessinger also righties. Fortes is your best hitter. He should hit three. Dillard switch behind him so you can't. So he can flip around if you get cute with pitching. And then, honestly. Well, you're, I mean, you agree with Bianco then. I, I think Dillard needs the protection from Fortes. Maybe Zabowski can give him that. If this team, or maybe you can put Cockrell Zabowski behind Dillard, and it's fine. Maybe you can't. If this, I, I personally have, you know what, and and I don't know Golson's personality specifically, mm-hmm. what his relationship with Bianco is. Mm-hmm. I have no problem though, if Bianco wants to give Golson a couple series in the five hole and say, you know what, just a confidence thing. You're you're the damn veteran. Right. You're hitting with a scoring position. At the end of the day, they've only played baseball for a month. If this was the majors, we wouldn't even be caring because they play sixty games before anybody really makes any jumping conclusion on how they're hitting that season. See what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, you're you're not wrong at all. I mean, it's, if, if it's going to help his confidence, and also, 
I mean, you want conference yeah. pitching is a different deal, and Golson has seen it. Is this gives him presence. Is Zabowski gonna hit it, et cetera? I mean, they. I'd leave Golson in the five to start conference play for Good a couple Lord. weeks. Is this Go score real? Is this NIT score real right now, John? It's okay. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Where did they get? I was just seeing the Middle Tennessee score. Okay, so Neil McCready is saying if Middle Tennessee loses tonight, uh, he expects Kermit Davis to be in Oxford tomorrow. Okay. Oh, yeah. What's the score? Well, I don't think this could possibly be right, but Google is trying to tell me Middle Tennessee 35, Vermont 29 with three minutes left in the game. There's no way. Let me let me try to find something else here. It is. It's no. Oh, okay. Okay. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. The NIT uses quarters. The NCAA Google was still set up on halves, so it's second quarter. So that uh, makes a lot playing. makes a lot more they're... sense. Thirty-five twenty-nine MTSU second quarter. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you want MTSU to lose. You you need Kermit Davis to stop coaching Middle Tennessee and start coaching Ole Miss. It's crazy. Just crazy. This is another example of administration being completely weak, having no teeth. Aye, aye, aye. Um, sorry, back to – but I, I was enjoying our baseball conversation, John. Sorry about that. Go back to what you're saying. I'd leave Golson in the five-hole. Just to see if it helps. I think what I was going to say is I think you also want to be really careful with Golson's confidence because you need him to have a lot of confidence out there in center because he hasn't had the greatest start to the season. You need him to play strong. Uh, defense. So he he has to play good center field. Defense. Right. So if 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 leaving him in the fifth hole a little longer than the stats would dictate, you should is going to help with the all, the defensive confidence. That's fine too. Um, I'm really just excited to get an SEC play and, and see how the offense looks. Um, Tennessee's the the first series this weekend. I have no idea really how good they are. I don't think they're like top of the league by any stretch. They beat like twenty to two in some midweek game a week or so ago. Yikes. Yeah, so that's not great. But, hey, we're gonna, Miss, we'll ease into it. We'll ease into it. Ole Miss should win the series, period. I think their RPI was around 70. You know, I'll pull okay. It up here. Okay, that's good to know. Did you see um, Casey Mize for Auburn had a no-hitter last weekend? Is he supposed to be good? I don't know who that is. I mean, Casey Mize is good. He's been there for a while, yeah. He's, he's one of their starters. I mean, oh, a no-hitter is pretty good, yeah. I think it was a real no-hitter, no too. Hitter's good. I'm just asking. Is not a uh, – I, I know you know. Not a, uh, it wasn't an LSU no hitter like from last season that uh that seven innings they did. Oh, that fake news. Yeah, that's that's very fake news. Um, so I got the schedule up here. Get through Tennessee. You got New Orleans in the midweek, uh, and then you got a real test coming up in week two of SEC play at A and M. I think uh, one of the best teams in the conference. They're ranked higher than Ole Miss in the national yeah. polls. Um, so that's going to be a huge test. I think they probably only win one of those. Arkansas at home. I, that is a swing series, right? You get Arkansas at home. Hey, hey, on Arkansas back-to-back is key. If they go 3-3 three and three through those two, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I agree. Win one in College Station, win the series at home, that's a win. Uh, it really gets really interesting April 6th, 7th, 8th at Mississippi State. You know, they haven't looked terrible since kind of recovering from uh, from losing Canizero. I mean, they've kind of put it back on track. So that'll be interesting. First time Ole Miss is going to play in their, their new um, palace of college baseball. 
Should be interesting. Southern Miss oh, in the middle. They're trying to blow this game right now. It's 5-3, and there's runners on first and second. No else Wolf folks in the game. They're having to Oof. go to Wolf. Yeah, I don't think Wolfie's given up a run all year, but he's super due because he has not looked good. He's looked very shaky, so I fully Here, expect Here, him. Kickers, Georgia State's RPI is 10 right now. Georgia State's Where? RPI? Yeah, I think they beat Georgia Tech uh, on on a weekend series, something like that. I don't know who else they've beaten. But, yeah, I mean, if you could win both the games in Atlanta this week, that'd be great. It's kind of tough to go on the road for a two-game midweek series. Just split. Play coming yes, up. I think they'll like probably a- split, yeah. Um. Yeah, let me pull up my Twitter too, so I can follow along with that drama. Maybe Wolfwood gets out of it. You'll know by the time you hear this. But uh, I don't have a great feeling about that with the way Wolfwood has has lost velocity this year. Yeah. Um. After State at Vanderbilt, so that's another tough turn right there. That's. I mean, that's really. We talked about this earlier in the year, guys. We know we're recapping at A and M versus Arkansas at State at Vandy. That's a really tough murderer's row of four series right there. You only get one. Set up, do stuff. What'd you say? The back half of the schedule, you can. Yeah, yeah. I I, I look at this conference schedule and say it's manageable. I really do. I I guess so. We'll see. I I mean, you miss Kentucky. I think they're good. You miss Mizzou, Um, but still, I mean, the only quote unquote easy series in the back half to it to me are Georgia and Alabama. I mean, I'm not ready to write Auburn off yet. I think that Bruce uh, Thompson or whatever is going to make them pretty decent. South Carolina is historic power, and so is LSU. So, I don't know, but that's just baseball in the SEC. Also, if, you know, if you if you want to get to a national seed or even a host out of the SEC, you're going to have to win some hard games. So, I'm excited. They need to win two out of three against Tennessee this weekend. That's that's clear. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's clear looking at the series that are on a bunt single, John. What the hell? Whose responsibility was that one? Blame Wolfolk. Base is loaded. Yeah, I'll blame Wolfolk for that. I will. He probably tried to go to two, go to second for two or some crap. Um, so that's not good. By the time you hear this, Ole Miss will probably be fifteen and two with a recent loss. But we'll see. If they, if they can get through, if they can go win this series against Tennessee, and then let's say go five and four against A and M, Arkey, and State. What does that put them at? Seven and. Uh, yeah, seven, seven and five. five. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be seven and five going to Vandy. Mm-hmm. If they could, if they could somehow start the season nine and six, they're off and running. I think. Okay, and so that would mean only you losing. Get three, you get three of your last five on the back end, Alabama, whatever. I, Carolina's one eighteen in RPI. I don't know how. Good okay, all right. So okay, I'll I'll back off that a little bit. They must not be Ray, very good. Ray, Ray Tana is not coaching the Gamecocks. Okay? Right. What's LSU's RPI? Uh, hundred something. Hmm. And you get them in Oxford. You need to win that series. Yep, that's what. It... Yep, I mean they're. Here's the other thing, too, is that Feigl appears to really be settling in as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, Feigl won Pitcher of the Month, got, National Pitcher of the Month. Awesome. They've, hey, they've got a good one, too, and then MacArthur's a solid three, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think MacArthur's going to be up and down like he has been his whole career. I think he'll have really good performances. Um, I think the good news is that if Rollison and Feigl can go deep in their starts, you don't really worry about MacArthur because you're going to have so many arms you can roll out on Sunday. Here's after, the key. After him. 
Let him get through one time and you're fine. They dropped a pop up to start the inning, apparently. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, I just what? saw I just saw Parham's tweet. Yeah. You know what? Things happen, it's college baseball. Yeah. Um I was like, let's see. So here, I guess here are the three things for this team. One is how good is the bullpen? Is it good or is it really good? If it's really good, they're going to roll Rollison and Feigl out there the first two games, be tough, and then you go ride the up and down MacArthur wave, and then the bullpen can carry him, can carry you through uh, the I, rest of. The- I think the middle of the bullpen has to be one of the strongest in the country. I mean, in the league, if not the country, I have questions about the back of the bullpen. As I've been talking about, while well, I've been talking about this ninth inning, I do Wolf- not feel good about Wolfhook. I do not feel good about Stokes. I do like that. They're trying to work Stokes into more of an extended relief. Uh, I mean, I think Stokes could maybe be like even a starter with the stuff he has. Like, I don't, I don't think he's so much Stokes. of a high leverage reliever type guy with those swing and miss soft lefty thing. Stokes, ideally, ideally you go get four or five out of MacArthur and Stokes get you like to the eighth on Sundays. Yeah, see, that, that that would be a good arrangement. I, but I think as far as young arms, you can just roll out. Ole Miss has so many of those. The Jordan Fowlers and the Houston Ross and the Will Etheridge's, uh, Parker Karasi, uh, that kid from Chicago that's been eating up innings. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of options in there. Um, yeah, I, I think the pitching is, is going to be far from the problem. I think defense will be a problem before pitching. Defense might even be a problem before hitting, but we'll see. I never want to say that about a Bianco team because the offense can, can just disappear for long stretches. Their middle infield appears pretty good. Their outfield is average, I'd say. I, I'd say the outfield's below average for sure. They, they don't have any outfielders. Everyone in the outfield is a converted infielder. Yeah, but I honest, I think you'd rather be that way than the other way around, to be frank. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the infield is definitely more instinctive than the outfield, right? You actually have time in the outfield to think about what you're going to do. Yeah. Whereas in the infield, you got to make the play. I think that's the point is how do they do on the um... – I want to see the fielding percentage. It can't be very good. I mean, there have been a lot, a lot of bad errors. How – um, and then the other question I have – is is this how is this is this lineup going to shake out into kind of a good fit or is it going to be awkward all year because yeah. right now if Cockrell keeps hitting well then they have to um they have to dh him so then you're going to rotate fortez i mean cooper johnson's not going to play a bunch at the end of the day he'll play like one game a week see and i think that's i think that could be a mistake especially with the fact that he's actually hitting well I mean, I, I think if Cooper Johnson starting instead of Fortez in Game One, Long Beach will miss a sixteen and zero right now. Although against lefties, you know, well, you want Zabowski to play a lot of. For, I don't know if Zabowski can hit SEC pitching, and if he can, then it's a luxury. And you, he, here's Johnson's your catch. Well, if Zabowski Fort- can hit SEC pitching, I think he should be your everyday first baseman. He has every tool you could possibly want out of a defensive first baseman. Yep. Well, it's Fortez's first base defense, okay? It's fine. Yeah, he, but he's just he doesn't have anywhere near the size that 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 uh, Zabowski has. I mean, Zabowski can stretch and make all kinds of plays on bad throws. I, and Fortez does not make so those here, plays. Here, here's what they do: they lefties. It's Fortez first. Johnson's the catcher. Mm-hmm. 
cockerels or DH. Mm-hmm. Righties, it's uh, Zabowski at first. You catch Fortez. At first, catch Fortez, and then between Johnson you put, and Cockrell, you can put low. You put low in the uh, in the DH, assuming he's healthy. Rowe, sorry, not Rowe, not low. Rowe, Tim Rowe in the DH, assuming he's healthy. He, he could go in there. I mean, is Cockrell is Cockrell going to be a guy that hits, hits every- I don't know. Maybe. You know, you may actually have some decent pinch hitting depth then out of this. So. Yeah, well, and if, as far as pinch hitting, you still have um, Fitzsimmons has been pretty good in limited appearances. The um, other, the other area is, um, I guess the other thing you could do is if you're playing Fortez at catcher, and then they bring in a lefty, you could double switch Fortez to first. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can get kind of. You, just, you may. Like, you can't really uh, count on seeing too, too many lefties in college, right? No. Because most but, of them get drafted out of high school. Yeah. Although there's enough of them out there to admit, of course, maybe it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. Right. Not. And we'll see. I mean, it's it's a luxury to even be able to be talking about this and be able to have all these. Like, being able to try to get extra guys into the lineup was not a problem that Ole Miss had last year. Where's so, Cockrell hitting? Where is he what? Where's Cockrell been hitting? Uh, like five, like where Golson is. Gotcha. He they, can't they, be. Oh, hey, uh, Bianco hasn't changed Kessinger, Olenek, Fortes, Dillard, like at all. That's pretty much been consistent. We think Olenek is worthy of the two hole. I don't know yet. Um, I So far, I've hated on him all season, and he has, he has st- answered the bell, so. I don't know. So. So they got a chopper at home for one out, uh, five three. So they won. Oh, double play! Wolfolk bailed him out. Uh, uh, wait, it's so okay. They got chopper went home for the out, and yep, then they got a double play. And Wolfolk still has ball. no earned runs. Yep, Dallas uh, Wolfolk <laughs> got the horseshoe. He, he, you know what he's doing this oh year? He's Brett god. Huber. Oh my god! Yeah, he's the career save leader that always looked terrible. Mm. He was lights out last year. Well, that's been I mean, – they just beat the number 10 RPI team, on which I don't know if they're going to stay there, but that's Man, a good that is, win. That is so silly. Another game in which Wolfhook gets into a whole lot of trouble and then Houdini's out of it, to use Parham's word here. Oh, man, that's great. Well, okay, there you go. 16-1 and one, Ole Miss. That's a great place to stop our baseball discussion. Um, let's talk March Madness, John. I'm going to need your help with this. Let's give a plug. Uh, to the the Friday Rolling March Madness bracket, I think it's sponsored by Traditional Construction. Do, do I sound echoey, John? For some reason, I feel like I'm echoing here in my living room a little bit. You're good. You're okay. Good. All right. So I have my bracket up. If you want to join this, I think you head on over to the Friday Rolling Twitter. I'm not going to give you the exact name of it because I can't remember. Also, I, I'm mad at them. We're having a feud right now uh, because apparently, you know, they think it's funny to try to create strife within my family. Um, I don't appreciate that. Oh, I like how our group motto for this uh, Friday Rolly Challenge is, it's finally March. I can tell Bebel definitely wrote that. Um, or McDermott, the McDermottator here. Uh, so, yeah, join that bracket on Twitter. Uh, whatever the password is Friday. It's in the tweet, too, I think. There's some sort of a mystery prize. They're going to read the winner on the air or whatever. All that to say, that's where I'm filling my bracket out. So let me do this. Okay, team name, Lad is the superior show. That was easy. Um, create a bracket. Uh, I'm I'm going to enter the Allstate. Oh, no, I'm not. Never mind. Forget it. I'm not entering no, this. Marketing, screw that. I don't, don't want to enter my information. 
Invite friends. No, continue. Fill out bracket. We're in business, John. All right, you got your you got a bracket open as well. Yeah, you gonna, you gonna fill one team out name, as we go. Team name is Inside Job because we're okay. gonna pay the refs and bet our way through this. Okay, okay, that's good. You wanna do the South Region first? Is that the one that's in the top left? Because yeah, yes. the UVA. So the maybe UVA. we do this. Maybe you do. You wanna well go as far as I was gonna say. Maybe you do. If you wanna do your whole South Region, I'll do my whole South Region. We'll just do the full region. Uh, each rotate doing that, and then we can go do the final four and pick the champs and the score. Okay. Or if you get through this and say, I just want to pick you round at a time, we can go around at a time, but it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I don't care. Wait, so what am I? I'm going to go through the south and just rail off some picks here, read off some picks. Yeah, do the whole south and get to the word. All right, south. First off, we got UVA versus UMBC. Literally don't know what UMBC is, but I'm picking UVA there, the one versus 16. Never happened, right? Never been a 16 upset of one, so that's an easy call. Creighton, Kansas State. I'm tempted to pick Creighton because it's more of a basketball school, in my opinion. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Kentucky over Davidson. Arizona over Buffalo. Ooh, this the 6-11 is where I'd love to pick an upset, but I know nothing about either of these teams. Um, yeah, Miami's got Larry Nega coaching it. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? What's the team? Loyola Chicago has a good record, but I don't know. I'll pick Miami. Pick Tennessee. Hmm. Shock is smart versus Nevada. Hmm. I'm picking Cincinnati versus Georgia State, by the way. Um, I'll pick Texas, and I'm going to pick Cincinnati to win the next round. Uh, okay, so now I've got UVA versus Creighton. I'm going to pick UVA. I might have them get upset soon, though. Is Arizona able to to do well in this tournament with all the stuff surrounding their coach and the FBI and all that? I wonder if this if, if Arizona Miller was gone for a bit then back and they've always they've always been the team that can't get past the Elite Eight. Does this whole thing kind of rally them to play us oh, against Earl? takes their heads out of the we're not the instead of we're supposed to get there and we can't get there or it's us against the world does it kind of change their psyche to where they break through two ways to look at it maybe that'll happen you should put that on your bracket i'm picking kentucky to win um i'm gonna have an upset miami over tennessee not a big fan of the big orange cincinnati over miami kentucky over uva and then cincinnati to the final four that's the south region Makes sense. All right. I don't know if it does, John. You know, I'm just filling in a bracket because it's March. That's what you're supposed to do. I am completely bullshit right now, more than even usual on this show. Yes. UVA, I got UVA winning against the 16. Creighton is more of a basketball school. Let's see. Hey, that sounds familiar. But that sounds like my justification. RPI. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to pick K-State just because. Okay. Uh, Kentucky over shit. Is it worth picking Davidson to beat Cal? I kind of want to have fun with that. <laughs> you know this. You this Kentucky team lost four in a row. No, I know. Play. Yeah, they could be really bad. And they also, Kentucky could be. To, I don't. But they're. Or was this Cal? I mean, Cal got Cal was in this tournament as an eight seed a few years ago and got them to the final. Mm-hmm. UK wins this game. I, I want to pick against them, but they win it. Arizona. Uh, give me Miami over Illinois, Tennessee over Wright State, Nevada over Texas. I think Texas 
questionable where they should be in. And then Cincinnati. Uh, Cincy over Nevada, I agree. Cincinnati's good. I got Tennessee uh, beating Miami. Okay. I'm going to go Arizona over Kentucky, UVA okay. over K-State. And then, you know what? I just talked myself into the Arizona theory. Yeah. They're going to go to the Final Four, and then they will beat Tennessee in the Elite Eight. I actually yeah, I like think Tennessee it. makes a run here with, oh, Ricky, with Ricky Barnes. I like it. I like it. Um, all right, well, we're going to the East now? Yep. All right, you want to go first this time? Sure. Okay, go ahead. Villanova over uh, Radford just won their game, so it's Radford. Um, on True TV, you got to go to True TV to find the Dayton games. That's natural. So I mean, I'm already there. That's just what I. I it's I, like I a to, hospital waiting room in here. I just leave it here on. in the past five minutes and was like, "Where the hell's the game?" And you tell me, I got to go to True TV anyway. Um, Alabama just rode the Sexton train to get in the tournament. You know, I want to pick Colin Sexton, but it's Avery Johnson. And as a Mavericks fan, I watched Avery Johnson completely fuck up the 2006 NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of conflicted here. I believe in Avery Johnson's ability to screw up postseason, so I'm going to go Vontech just for that simple fact alone. Uh, West, Vir- West Virginia being the five is upset, but Huggins can coach. He's going to mm-hmm. coach past that BS. Wichita has Greg Marshall. He's going to win his game. I mean, basically, uh, the smart thing is you always pick the coaches, know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Florida versus either St. Bonnie's or UCLA. Ooh. You know, if they were playing an 11 that wasn't in a playing game, I'd be all in on this. You think they're going to be too tired? It's in Dallas, so they're going to have to go Dayton to Dallas. Um, I picked him, John. I picked the upset. Do I want? I'm trying to figure out if I want to pick against Mike White for shits and giggles here or not. I'm trying to debate. I decided that I did. All right, you know what? Because the other team will pop. I mean, they're going to play. They're going to play – they're going to tip here in five. They're going to get done at midnight. Mm-hmm. They're going to fly overnight to Dallas. They're going to be gonna, hot. They're going to be warmed up. I'm going to pick Mike White to win. I watched Ole Miss be dead tired against Xavier a few years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick Mike White going around. Also, had no, no post defender on that team. Texas Tech, Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin, I always pick to win upsets here. Sorry, Angie. <laughs> no, that's funny. Uh, I mean, I, I got Tech going a long way here. They're very good. Yeah, you're, you you kind of have to. I, I really don't. My girlfriend goes to medical school at Texas Tech. She she is like I guess a fan because she goes to med school there. But I mean, it's not like her college. She went to Vandy. Yeah. Oh oh, she got Bryce Drew as her coach. That's an issue. Um, he can recruit. It's fine. Lumberjacks are going to win a game. Uh, Arkansas over Butler. Ooh, shit, actually, Arkansas can totally lose that game. What is Butler? Butler, 20-13, 37-RPI. Arkansas is either going to get hot and do something or totally crash out. Um, you know what? I'm going to believe in the improved SEC for a minute. Let's go Hogs. Um, Purdue. And then back to the top. 
Villanova beats Vot Tech. Uh, bam, Bob Huggins, Greg Marshall. That's a good coaching game. That's a good matchup. Damn. Wichita State played in Cincinnati really well the other week. They split the series. I actually watched like five minutes of that game just because I saw that. I'm just going to pick Wichita. Okay. Seems fair. Mike White is not winning two games, so I'm going to, by default, have Stephen F. Austin in the Sweet 16. Purdue is going to beat Arkansas. And then Purdue will beat Stephen F., and so you got Nova versus Wichita State. Yeah, you're right. Greg Marshall. Um, Sweet 16. Man, that would be good. I believe they're playing in Boston. So down at TD Garden, as they would say in Massachusetts. Such a Villanova in a close one. Purdue over Villanova to the Final Four, just because why not? Let's put Purdue in the game. Why there. not? All right, so I got Villanova over Radford, Alabama over Vautech, I believe, in Colin Sexton, West Virginia over Murray State, Wichita State over Marshall. I'm going to go ahead and take the playing game over Florida. I just I, I feel like Mike White's going to blow it. Uh, Tech over Stephen F. Austin because, I don't know, you'd be, you'd be surprised how good Tech is at everything except football, which is the one thing they want to be good at. Um, Butler over Arkansas. I personally, even though the SEC has improved, think it's still a little overrated. Um, Purdue over Fullerton, like you said, back to the top. I got Villanova over Bama, West Virginia over Wichita State. I'm going with Bob Huggins, Texas Tech to beat the play-in winner. Purdue to beat Butler. Purdue beats Texas Tech. West Virginia in my bracket beats Villanova. West Virginia advances to the Final Four. I don't know why. Let's say they got hot. Who cares? Bob Huggins, he's gonna get, he's gonna get hot. Why not? Right? Who cares? All right. Alright, so we're going west now. I got Xavier beating the play in sixteen. Pick a Missouri, Michael Porter Jr. or whatever that guy's name is. Maybe he's gonna be good. Let's go Ohio State over South Dakota State, even though they played Ole Miss really well and won an overtime in Oxford. Uh ooh, Gonzaga versus uh what's it called? Dunk City or whatever. UNCG. UNC Greenville. Oh, is that, Green- oh it's not uh, it's not G C. Yeah, I, I had a little dyslexic moment there. Alright, well it's easy then. Pick Gonzaga. Um Houston, San Diego State. Come back to that. Let me pick Michigan over Montana. Ooh, A&M Providence. Hmm. I got UNC over Lipscomb. So now I'm just thinking about Houston versus San Diego State, A&M versus Providence. Has A&M had any injuries, or have they improved since the middle of the season? A&M started off as a top-10 team. And they and lost like six games in SEC play. Like one and six. All right, I'm going to pick them. I think they'll, ref- they'll find their old form. Ah. Houston, San Diego State. Let me glance at the records here. Mm, Houston's 18 in the RPI. San Diego State's 63. San Diego State 3-1 and one versus top 25. I'll pick Houston. Just pretty much going with the seeding. Um, Xavier versus Missouri. I like Xavier. Uh, Ohio State versus Gonzaga. Gonzaga is more of the basketball school there. Thirty and four. Hmm. Gonzaga is only one and one versus the top twenty-five. Ohio State's three and four. Hmm. Gonzaga's twelve and zero in their last twelve games. Pick Gonzaga. 
Houston versus Michigan, A and M versus UNC. Going with UNC, I like the SEC is that good. Um, and then on Houston versus Michigan, let me get. Let me take Michigan. Uh, and so that means Xavier versus Gonzaga. I'm taking. I'm taking Gonzaga here. Versus UNC, UNC advances to the Final Four. Uh, your turn. Let's see. I got Xavier. I got Mizzou over FSU because screw the Seminoles. Sure. Uh, San Diego State over Ohio State. You got to pick a twelve every year. There's mine. South Dakota, right? South Dakota State. South Dakota. Whoever yeah, that's not said. a bad. That's not a bad pick. We've actually seen them play at least. Yeah, they won in the pavilion, the house that Ross built. Yeah, well, they looked uh, good. They, they're the team that made like 25 threes or some insane number, like 20, something crazy. Gonzaga over Greensboro. Mm-hmm. I have San Diego, okay, yes, San Diego State over Houston, okay. Michigan over Montana. I think Texas A&M has their get-their-head-out-of-their-ass renaissance birth here, wins this game. UNC over Lipscomb, and then I have A&M over Carolina. See nice. your Royal Williams. I believe you need to screw this up. Yeah. Michigan wins to go this week 16 over San Diego. Gonzaga beats South Dakota. Xavier over Mizzou. Although, if Michael Porter had come back like a week ago, right. like a week earlier, that would have been a really – you know, I tell you what, if I'm Xavier, that's the ultimate flyer. Let's say Michael Porter – all of a sudden gets 98% of the way there and they got to go play him in the second round. That could mm-hmm. be interesting. So uh, I have Xavier over Gonzaga and then I have A&M over Michigan. I have the Aggies rolling all the way to the Elite Eight and then I have Xavier going to the Final Four. I like it. I like it. All right. Last region's the Midwest. You going to do this one first? Sure. Okay. We have Kansas is going to beat Penn. Although, you know, oh boy, do I actually have the nut? Wait, 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 wait. Are you going to pick a 16 over a 1 here? Penn just won the Ivy League. They're hot, right? <laughs> They're tired. Kansas is a 7 loss 1 seed. Yeah, that that is a lot. That's a lot. God, do I dare do this? I don't think you dare. If you did, right. if you if you called that correctly, you'd be a god. I'm picking Penn. Here's why. Okay. First of all, I don't think Kansas is going far in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Seven losses, self lost more games than usual, um, and the FBI is going to make a splash at some point. Mm-hmm. Kansas has a decent shot at being at this. Bill Self just seems like the type of person that that would bother when he's laying in bed at night. This is the this is the flyer of flyers, but we're going to go with Penn. Uh, very rep rep the Northeast pick there. You can call me a homer. Um, <laughs> I like it. I think it's fun. Pick a sixteen. NC, this is great. He stayed over Seton Hall. Clemson over New Mexico. Got a guy at work, uh, work colleague of mine, an Auburn grad. So I'm going to pick Auburn. 
they, yeah. they have not finished well. They're vulnerable. But I, I think Pearl. I think Pearl gets them up to at least win a game. Uh, yeah, I would. But if FBI is making a splash, I would be a little worried if I was picking Auburn as well. If we believe that Pearl, to be true, I, Pearl's actually the guy that could just block all that out. They're yeah, like, but can the players? I don't think it's getting at the player. I think, I think Pearl's enough of a personality he can like just kind of us against the world and rally the guys a bit. Maybe, yeah. Um, I'm gonna pick whoever wins the uh, Syracuse Arizona State game to go beat TCU. There's my pick of the uh, the first four brigade that gets hot. Uh, Michigan State because Tom Izzo is Tom Izzo. Mm. Rhode Island over Oklahoma. Oklahoma should be in the tournament. Duke. And then working up. Duke beats Rhode Island. Ooh, just because I want to see it. Michigan State. So we can see Michigan State Duke. Mm-hmm. Clemson over a depleted Auburn team. NC State over world the world-beating Penn Quakers. And then give me who Clemson NC State will be a nice local deal. Let's get Clemson the Elite Eight. Michigan State Duke. I hate him, but Duke. I think Grayson Allen's going to just troll everybody on their way. Then Duke over Clemson. And I have Duke in the Final Four. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Adjusting my Final Four a little bit there. All right, so Kansas over Penn, NC State over Seton Hall. I actually have New Mexico State upsetting Clemson in the first round. Auburn beats Charleston. TCU beats the play-in. Michigan State over Bucknell. I have Oklahoma upsetting Rhode Island. I, I uh, Yeah, Oklahoma should be in the tournament. Something about that 5-2 and two versus the top 25 makes me feel good. Um, Duke beats Iona. You got Duke over Oklahoma. Michigan State over TCU. Auburn beats New Mexico State. NC State beats Kansas. There's the Kansas upset on my bracket. Uh, Auburn beats NC State. Auburn to the Elite Eight. Duke beats Michigan State. Duke versus Auburn. Duke wins. Duke is also in my Final Four. So my Final Four, Cincinnati, UNC, West Virginia, Duke. Have Cincinnati pulling off the upset against UNC. Duke beats West Virginia. Cincinnati is your national champion. Tiebreaker, 84-81. That's my picks. I'm going to say Duke over Purdue. Oh, I'm going to do it. Arizona over Xavier. Arizona beats. No, Arizona's going to lose the title game because that's how Sean Miller's going to roll before he gets locked up. To Duke? Yep. I like it. I like it. (laughs) All right, I'm submitting my picks. Duke is going to win. I have no idea why I picked Cincinnati, guys. I have no idea what just happened. I blacked out. Duke is going to win 100. I just came to. What happened? Hmm? I'm joking about I have no idea why Cincinnati is my national champion pick. I don't know what just happened. But it happened. Whatever. I'm going to look really smart if it turned out to be right. We're going to delete this podcast from the internet. I'm going to pretend I knew something. There you go. Hang on. i got to finish. Wait, did it not save my damn bracket? Did you not hit submit picks, John? I hit the damn people's bracket thing accidentally on my iPad, and it deleted my whole bracket. No. All right, we're going to have to listen to the show again to reconstruct it, or you could just do a new bracket on your own. going to do a new bracket, and whatever happens, happens. All right, so whatever John just said, guys, 
You could that you can now use that bracket. That is not John's bracket. So if you want that bracket, you fill it out, and then if you I win, you can pick- rub it in John's face. Let's see. I had the my... downside here now is John's going to make a new bracket, and then either if that bracket or the one he didn't make does well, he'll be able to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to give enough shits. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that was fun. That was our, our well, at least one of our entries into the uh, Friday Rollin' March Madness Challenge sponsored by Traditional Construction. Like I said, you can find that on uh, Friday Roland's Twitter. You know, hunt that down. Get in on it. Open to anybody. Password Friday. Um, just to reiterate some stuff we said at the top of the show, don't forget if you want some uh, very unique uh, artwork in your house, you can even commission something. You can ask for an original idea that you came up with. Anything, hit up Table Composite on Twitter. Hit them with that discount code GOODREBEL. Let them know you're part of the uh, Lad Nation. And uh, if you want a T-shirt that says "Land Sharks After Dark," LAD Mississippi paid. Um, again, check our Twitter. Go to the profile, scroll down a tweet or two, click on the link for that Google form, put in the relevant in- uh, the the relevant info. Nice and easy, um, and we'll we'll get those out in the next month, month and a half here, and you'll be wearing your own come summer. Um, so don't forget to do that. Uh, obviously if you haven't already, you know, to give it rate and review us on Apple podcast, um, five star rating would be preferable. Help some other people find the show. Maybe they'll like as much as you do. Probably unlikely since you're like our friend, I'm guessing. Um, that's mostly it. You can follow us on Twitter. We talked about the Twitter account here before. Um, you know what I've been thinking about, John, do you think this would be fun? Let me get your reaction to this on the show. What if I set up a Google voice line? Where anybody that wanted, whether it's our regular contributors, whether it's people we've never met before that might have questions, can call in, leave a voicemail. We can play them on the show. The only downside is if I do this and no one ever does it, I have to pretend like it just didn't happen. But that would be cool, right? We don't have to do it every week, but yeah, no, I think it makes a lot well, of sense. Well, I don't think we'll have a new call to play every week, but whenever anybody has something they want to say on the show and you know, they don't necessarily have a whole, they don't want to be on an entire one or whatever, they can call the, call the line. Leave a message. It could be fun. could be some funny content. We'll see. Um, just an idea I've been having. I don't think it's super expensive or anything, so we'll see about that. Um, but, yeah, that's about it, guys. John, you got anything else you want to say before, the, before we end the show for this week? Yeah, so I just filled up my whole bracket again and went to input the losing team score and took me to the people's bracket. So I found a glitch in the uh, iOS software. Yeah, here I think that you it, need to sue ESPN. That sounds about right. Or maybe this is just God saying, I don't, he didn't want me to fill out a bracket this year. God's plan. Maybe. You know know. what? Maybe you need a new iPad. Maybe I do. What? Do I know what? I was just going to say, maybe I'm just going to say, my prediction is Penn beats Kansas. That's all I'm going with this year. Yeah. I mean, if you hit on that one, that's pretty much as good as as getting the whole bracket. Yeah. I agree. That's really all that matters. I'm not filling out a bracket because of this corrupt. If Penn upsets Kansas, Penn John wins. Is that's, going to be Kansas. That's the new oh, rules. I don't know what the surprise prize is, Ryan. But if if Penn beats Kansas, I think John deserves it. That's my that's my official Buff take. Could write me a check if I get that right. Screw getting the whole thing right. Well, I th- I think you're what you're saying is you want to go put down like a twenty thousand dollar bet in Vegas. Yep. You what, get us. what what? What, what's, what are the odds I can get with Penn over I don't know. Kansas? That's a good. That's a good question. Let me see if it's on uh, the site what's I use. What's the Kansas money line? Let me check the site I use during football season. See if they got it. 
do 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 do. Uh, what do you what do you guess? What's your guess for it? I don't either. Okay, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm on the page. I'm about to find it. Uh, okay, here plus, we go. I got it. I got it in front of me. Plus 340. John, you can make so much more money than that. Plus 885. Oh, shit. I might actually do that. Yeah, dude, just drop drop 10 on that. Hell, drop 100. You got it like that. <laughs> no, nah, don't drop dude, 100. Drop 10. Drop 10. Thirty at the half, and I'll be so yeah. Chat. Just drop ten. Ten's a ten's not much, and then you you could win eighty eight fifty. Yeah. So there's there's your there's John's pick for the tournament. You heard my effed up bracket. It's gonna be destroyed by the first weekend, and I'll never bring it up again. So don't at me. Do not at me when Cincinnati loses in the first round to Georgia State. I do not care. Basketball is uh, dead to me. Talk about this. What? Uh, Shea Patterson's waivers at a standstill. Nah, I don't still. care. I don't care at all. Uh, I'm done talking about Shea Patterson. <laughs> all of the uh, the transfer waivers are at standstill, so the ghost of Lee Tyner is haunting the players. Was apparent. I mean, Ole Miss is claiming it's not Ole Miss's fault, right? It's the NCAA that's holding this stuff up. Yep. Um You know, I think I, I think I've said before that I hope Shea does well, but I don't care at all. I I don't. I will not even like watch a Michigan game to see him do well or not do well. I don't care. Shea Patterson oh, I watch Michigan go seven and five with Shea. Gonna be very. I don't think Shea. I don't think Shea's even going to be the starter. We'll see. Woo! There's a take right there. The kid that played in the bowl game was fine. He didn't look. He didn't look worse than Shea, in my opinion. Oh my goodness! This is the takes. Hey, like, like the kid's dad said, he didn't come to Michigan because he was afraid of competition. Shea's going to have to win the competition. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm pulling off of stuff. From like two months ago, like I said, I don't think about Shea Patterson. I don't read these articles. I did see the thing you're talking about about the waivers, because um, anytime Tom Mars makes a statement about Ole Miss, you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're probably smart to listen just to see if he's about to, you know, fire one of your coaches or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can't grant the kid a waiver instead of play. Who cares? Who cares? I wanted to play immediately and be bad. Who cares? I don't care. Whatever. We're gonna end the show there. John, thank you for uh, being with me on this extended episode. 90 minutes of content. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Hopefully we could uh, help your Wednesday go by a little bit a little bit quicker or whenever you're listening to this. Um, hopefully you're not listening to this like after March Madness has started because we probably I will have already gotten several things wrong. Uh, so whatever. Um, we'll be talking to you next week with Kermit Davis as the head basketball coach. Whether or not he's actually in Oxford, that will be the question. Um, and we'll just keep following all of this. I mean, I... I, we've done 90 minutes here. I never mentioned the fact that there is some optimism about certain aspects of Davis. Some people think he's going to be able to hire some people that are going to bring in recruits. McCready yesterday on Rebel Grove was talking about, you know, a five-star center from 2019 that could be on the radar. I don't know. All of that, I'll believe it when I see it. We'll see. Kermit Davis, as of now, pretty underwhelming hire. Only time will tell. We'll be here to talk about it on Land After Dark. Thanks for listening, guys.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.